It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I'm Mark Willard, and this is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile, an official San Francisco Giants podcast. In Season 1, we looked back at some of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Now, it's time to focus on the present and future. We'll cover memorable wins and the off-field moments, interests, and personalities of the 2021 Giants team and staff. Join us for Season 2 of Inside Giant Moments, now. Think back to all those good friends you made in college. Can you imagine getting to work with them years later? That's how it played out for a select group of Giants, all Vandy boys. Mike Yastrzemski, Tyler Beatty, Sam Selman, Kurt Casale, and first base coach Antoine Richardson all went to Vanderbilt at a special time and built a special bond. We visit with each of them, followed by an incredible conversation at the end with their beloved coach, Tim Corbin. Speaking of incredible conversations, we talked to Yaz and Kasali together as they are the closest of friends in life and now teammates again. First up to share thoughts on the experience, the youngest of the bunch, pitcher Tyler Beatty. All right, Tyler, let's talk about some uh, some Vanderbilt stuff because you guys are taking over the entire clubhouse. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, you, you were a first-round draft pick out of high school. Why did you even end up at Vandy? Well, because it's the best place to be for any any college player if you have the opportunity to go. I mean, you know, I think I think like I had to really at that point I had to step, take a step back and see the value of it. And then as I was going through my three years of, of college there, it was it stood out how apparent it was to to be there and how important it was for me. Um, just learning from Coach Corbin and being around guys like Yaz, who were you know he stayed his senior year and I got to live with him my sophomore year and just the impact that those guys had on the culture of the program, um, kind of the leadership that followed them and, uh, you know, us getting to a national championship was huge. And so, you know, I think you see it, you see it in, you know, the way Selman, Yaz, you know, even Antoine Richardson and, and then Pfeiffer now being in the mix with obviously Kirk Casale coming in. It's like the list goes on of guys and you see very similar attributes and an effort and intent and, and kind of the, the day-to-day work. And uh, you kind of see that from, from Vanderbilt guys, which is cool. That that had to be a family discussion, though. There there had to be pause. You, you, what were you twenty first, twenty second overall? Was what what was the decision making process like? Oh yeah, I mean there absolutely was pause. You know, I got drafted on June sixth that year, and I had until August fifteenth to sign the signing deadline. And so, you know, I would be honest and say, you know, the first month I was pretty much gearing up to sign and get into pro ball, and then as I had you know, just a, a more exposure to the business side of the of the process and and what was a, where I was about to spend my, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old years, you know, in minor league baseball, just starting to open my eyes more to the opportunity that Van, that was presented with Vanderbilt. And, um, I, I mean, I became extremely convicted and, uh, and sold on that decision. I wasn't insensitive to the fact that I was being offered a significant amount of life-changing money. Um, but to just see the value of, a Vanderbilt degree on top of uh, developing three years in the SEC, uh, it took the cake. And then, 
you know, being around Tim Corbin for three years, the guy is a, he's a life changer. He's a, he's a second dad to a lot of the guys there. And uh, it's just an incredibly impactful environment to be in. And, uh, you know, for me, for me it, it was an obvious, you know, decision looking back. Every one of you guys who, who I've talked to with regard to the Vanderbilt experience immediately brings up Tim. What, what makes him so special? I mean, a lot of things. You know, he has a, he has a way of, of getting the best out of his players and doing it in a healthy way. Um, he challenges guys. He, he'll never allow you to be content with where you're at or what you're doing. Um, and I think he cares more about your ability to be a leader uh, and your character traits over your athletic ability and your performance on the field. You know, he'll he'll always make sure that you're, you know, you know, setting aside your ego. If, if it's, you know, if you're a talented guy on the field, he wants you to be a leader and have integrity off the field, those kinds of things. And he puts those first over anything else. Um, and that's, you know, as you look back, you know, obviously when you're going through it, you don't see maybe the, the value of it. But then when you leave and you become, you know, you get into a serious relationship, you get married and you're, you know, maybe you're a dad um, and you're in a pro locker room, like you see the value of those character traits and those leadership qualities. Um, and that's what you're appreciative of for Corbin is what is, you know, him taking the time to develop those traits in you while you're there. Uh, four current teammates who, who all went there, and, and I know Casali was leaving right as you arrived, right? Did you know all of them in college? Uh, no, yeah, Kurt left the two, in 2011, kind of the Sunny Gray class, and, and left before I got there. But Okay. Uh, I always knew Kurt, and we always kind of were, were connected, but never crossed paths and never played together. Uh, what do you remember about the recruiting visit, and are, are any of your current teammates, were they involved? um yeah so pfeiffer and i were on the same recruiting visit uh, because we came in at the same time but obviously yaz and selman were there um and uh yeah so i I crossed paths i hung out with yaz those nights so we were just in the dorms and um they were just sort of getting us or kind of taking us through kind of life of a vanderbilt baseball player at that point you know we, we we went to some of the classes went to the study hall and then we we hung out at night and we played a little poker and uh, have some, had some beverages, just a little water on the rocks, and uh, it was a fun time. And uh, I, I enjoyed it incredibly, and it made me, you know, you want to go there even more. So it was a fun group of guys that, that showed us around. Do you remember who won when you played poker? I, for sure, I won. Obviously, okay. they, maybe they let me win. I'm not sure. Maybe I got lucky first time. But, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was a good time. I, I honestly don't remember. I think maybe Tony Kemp took the cake that time. <laughs> <laughs> I got to imagine if guys are if recruits are coming in, the 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 current players are instructed like don't 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 beat the guy in poker, don't beat him down. So maybe maybe it was a stack deck. Maybe it was a stack deck. You're right. I kept wondering why I was getting pocket aces every hand. Right. That's, maybe that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> how would the entire experience that you had there? How would you say it shaped the the ball player you are now? Oh, I mean, without a doubt, it was you know, some of the most impactful years of my life. And, and it was, you know, even looking back at it from an athletic standpoint, I didn't have the three best years of my life from a baseball standpoint, but obviously the things that I learned being able to go through those adversities, being able to, to hang around and be with, be with guys who I'd have lifelong relationships with was, was huge. And, uh, you know, I was in an atmosphere where I was, you know, pushed to grow and challenged academically and athletically and, and being able to graduate from there was uh was a tremendous accomplishment that i'm extremely proud of and thankful for having the opportunity to go there and uh yeah i mean i wish i could be in nashville more often and be around those guys but 
uh, incredible, incredible years that sort of boosted me into where I'm at now. Uh, give me a few words on your your first impressions of these teammates we're, we're discussing. Casali was gone, but uh, but Yaz, what, what was your first impression? Uh, Yaz was like the cool guy, man. Like you, you saw him and you're like, yeah, like he's just such a cool, he was a cool dude. He, uh, um, you know, was just a stud, you know, he was extremely hard working from a baseball standpoint. You always saw him, you know, putting in a hundred percent effort and 10, even in practice sessions and in BP and things like that. Um, you just kind of gravitated towards him. He was a guy, very, uh, contagious personality who you just wanted to be like, uh, really set the tone, I guess, in the locker room for, from a leadership standpoint and then on the field with his play. Um, Selman was, Selman was, was crazy, man. Like he, he was such a, he was such a, like, um, like a wild card. You know, he, he, he pitched only like six innings his freshman and sophomore year. And then his junior year, he got a crack at the weekend rotation. And, uh, and then at one point got moved to the, the, the weekday, the weekday rotation and dominated. I mean, he, he went on a string of like eight or 10 starts where he, Absolutely dominated him, put, putting himself in a high position in the draft, and was uh, was just super fun, man. He was one of those guys who like always laughing, always smiling, no matter what was going on. And you love those guys. You need those guys in the locker room. So, a uh, bunch of studs. Uh, how would you describe the vibe that this is now created in the current giant clubhouse to have such a, a, a Vandy feel and all these teammates uh, all from the same place? I think it's uh, creating a little jealousy. I think some of the guys are wishing they either went to Vandy or were, were Vandy boys. Uh, a lot of guys are saying anchor down as we walk in passing, and uh, no, it, it's cool. I think I think it provides a lot of uh, a lot of like comfort comfortability and, and just like you know, obviously we're playing at the highest level, and, and with that comes with a lot of maybe uncertainty or anxiety of you know, man, I got to go out and perform and do the best I can, but. Then you look to your right and your left, and you see guys who you've played with for, you know, coming up on uh, on eight years or so, where you've kind of played or crossed paths with each other, and, and that's cool. It gives you kind of a little bit of moment to get at ease and uh, to kind of go out and just, hey, this is the same game we've been playing since college, since high school, and uh, you get to do it with with your buddies, guys you used to live with, your roommates with, and these are guys just out here trying to do the same thing, and uh, it makes it, it makes it a lot of fun. It's uh, makes us feel, you know, lucky and blessed that we get to kind of have these opportunities that are fairly rare to play with, you know, college teammates like this. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. We're definitely all soaking it in. Uh, is there a characteristic you think that comes along with having played there, like something that is really stressed by the program when you're there? That's a really great, great question. You know, I think um, what was demanded of us was always just a high level of focus and attention to detail um, from in regards to – on the field and off the field, I think what was always stressed was treating people with, with value and importance and, and respect. Um, and I think that that carries you a long way because you understand that the person that you're talking to in the moment is the most important person in the room or in the, in the world. It's you, you owe them your attention and respect. And, uh, when it comes to the baseball business side of things, like you, you need to be able to, to have that and to have it be, be genuine as well. And I think Vanderbilt did a great job of, of allowing us to treat people with respect. And, um, and then when we play, we're, we're out there and, and we're giving it everything that we have and, and not leaving any stone unturned. You know, Corbs was huge on, you know, while you're in this game, you give everything that you can to the game, you know, your nutrition, your recovery, your workouts, your mechanics, um, everything from A to Z. Uh, and I think that that's 
you know, pushed a lot of us to continue to keep going through through maybe difficult years of our careers or dif- difficult stints and to keep pushing and uh, keep battling back. Next up, the quirky lefty out of the pen, Sam Selman, whose big personality shines now the same way it did when he arrived on campus. And the story of what's happening with all of you Vanderbilt alums has got to feel a little surreal, I would think. You know, college buddies reconvening in the pros. I don't think anybody could ever imagine that happening. Um, you already had Yaz, Beatty, now Casali. Give me a sense of what this is like on the day-to-day for you guys. It's, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's like getting an old friendship back together. Uh, it's funny. It's the, way, the way college in, season ends, it's so abrupt of just you play with guys for three years and uh, you end up spending so much time with them. You live in the same hall. You take the same classes. And then the season ends and it's just the way the relationship with Yaz and I, we were the same year, same uh, recruiting class. And so we were close. And then he went to the Orioles. I was with the Kansas City Royals. And uh, we were just opposite sides of the country. So outside of like weddings and uh, maybe reconvening in Nashville for an offseason, we didn't see each other very much. And then now it's just it's, it's amazing. We're both 30 years old. And uh, eight years after we left Vanderbilt, we all come back together. And uh, it's fun to see Kurt and Beatty and uh, Fife. And so, yeah, we're really fortunate that we got to uh, play with the whole collection of Vandy guys. And uh, it's kind of like having your family all back together. So it makes it uh, one more person, you know, in the clubhouse that you had a good relationship with. What were the relationships like originally? Like, what what do you remember about those guys during the college days? You know, it, it's funny. I uh, when I was a freshman, I, I remember coming in, and I I remember thinking Kurt was uh, he seemed so much older to me than uh, than everyone else. It was just I was I was eighteen. I was I was yeah, six three, probably one hundred and eighty pounds or so, one hundred and seventy pounds, and. Kurt had this massive beard, and he kind of – we joked around that he was a president, but he kind of he, he he looked that way. But it was just he talked in such a deeper voice tone than I did, and um, he was just so much older than me. And, uh, and so that was such a – it's so interesting seeing it now as, as we've all uh, as aged together, I guess, over the years. But, uh, and then same with, uh, same with Yaz. We both came in, and um, we joke around that, I mean – called him a mass hole when he was uh, first came in because he was just he was all he was always kind of always kind of mean and always always kind of mean and crusty a little bit but uh it was his personality and then uh, over the years i think he got some of that southern charm back to him and from uh, being around in nashville and um it's just it's so fun to have spent uh 10 years with those guys and uh get to build relationships with them all and um it's just a, it's a great experience Casali does kind of have a big brother quality about him, doesn't he? And he's got two younger brothers, so maybe that's maybe that's not an accident. Exactly. Well, he's a catcher, too, leader in, leader in the yep. team and all that. And he's got a big, big, booming voice. And so when he speaks, everyone stops and listens. And um, that was especially the way it was when I was a freshman and he was a junior coming in. It, it's become such a program, too. And I, I wonder, how, how did those days shape the, the ball player you are today? Yeah, it definitely. Uh, I, I definitely owe a lot of that to Tim Corbin and uh, Derek Johnson, uh, who molded me into the baseball player I am now. I mean, I I came in just to. I mean, I was. I mean, joking aside, but I was so excited to be out of my parents' house for a little bit and go <laughs> go enjoy the college experience at Vanderbilt, and um, it was it was such a fun experience being there. But um, Tim Corbin and at the Vanderbilt program taught you so much more than that. Of okay, this is baseball. You got to learn how to work hard and take care of your academic side of things and balance your personal life and your baseball schedule all in the same, the same realm. And so um, it was, it was a lot of growing up I had to do for first couple of years. And then 
um, I started to have success and started learning the things that they were teaching me and um, things started steamrolling and I was fortunate enough to get drafted by the Royals after my three years there. But um, it was such a great experience and such a fun time being with uh, such a group of guys that all motivated, all great baseball players and uh, all working towards the same goal. So uh, wonderful time there. And what about now? Do we, do we get Vandy trash talk throughout the Giants clubhouse? You know, it's funny as we, we watch, we follow along with the games. I mean, it's so easy now with, uh, with Twitter and Instagram. We, you, yeah, you follow along with all the games, and especially with how good they are right now. Of, uh, they got two top pitchers in the country right now. And so uh, we all follow along. We all talk about the games that, that are going on and uh, see the box scores the next day and um, talk about how, how almost, almost better they were than when we were when we first got right. there. And, uh, and so the, the program has definitely uh, matured and gotten better as the years have gone. I think recruiting has gotten much easier, but uh, they, they've definitely gotten uh, – they're definitely a lot of fun to talk about in the locker room, and uh, we enjoy keeping tabs on, uh, on how their season goes. And, and what about the non-Vandy guys? Like, are, are, are they getting a, a, a case of FOMO uh, throughout the clubhouse? No, like, if they, you didn't go to Vandy? Could, they couldn't be more tired of it. I mean, honestly, I think they would hope we get <laughs> traded half the time. I mean, it's just, it's, cause it's just, uh, I, even the training staff makes fun of us. Cause it's just, we have, we have such a group together. And then Antoine, our first base coach is also a Vandy guy too. Um, so we have, uh, we have just a, a large contingency. I mean, you have 26 guys in the clubhouse and you have six that are currently, uh, went to the same college together. So, um, it's just a large group of us that get together and it's always fun. And, uh, we, we enjoy the joking aside, but, uh, um, it was such a fun experience, and uh, it's still cool to foster those relationships and keep them going. How far does this go beyond, as you've said, it's just like th- this is really cool, you know, like you've got familiar faces and, and friends, and it leads to fun conversation. Uh, does it go further than that? Can this actually help the way you guys are playing just because of comfortability, familiarity, wh- wh- whatever uh, it may be? Like, th- does it help you guys as ball players? I, I definitely think it does, and it's just because it's when you when you have a baseball team, you spend so many times with uh, with guys who are in your position. So pitchers stay hang out with pitchers for the most times. Um, outfielders, outfielders, infielders, infielders. Uh, the beauty with we went to college together is Yaz is one of my good friends, and so uh, you have I hang out with him him a lot more, and you hang out with more of the outfielders more and. Um, you get out of your bubble so much of instead of just hanging out with the same group of guys that you spend 90% of your day with, um, you end up spending more time with people that you don't see so often. And so uh, it kind of helps build a more cohesive unit, uh, whether or not it was intended or not. Um, it just, you end up, you have friends that uh, have multiple friends and you bring everyone together and uh, it kind of makes for an, a fun environment. And uh, I definitely think it builds uh, relationships faster. That's, that's a good point. Pitchers hang out with pitchers, hitters hang out with hitters. Do you guys talk shop when you're together? Like your friendship with Yaz, does that lead to an ability of, of a hitter telling you, hey, this is, this is what a, the way a hitter is going to attack you, and, and vice versa with you talking to him? I mean, we, we, we chat about that all the time, and it's, it's really helpful and it's very frustrating when I have to face him in inner squads and have to <laughs> see each other because it's, it's, it's become like a third-dimensional chess match of he knows everything I throw and I know everything that he likes to hit and, um, you're just trying to trying to fool each other, but uh, it's so helpful, and uh, you're able to chat with someone like that who knows he knows how I pitch really well, and 
Um, it's very helpful to when I go ask him of like, what do you think this guy is doing here when he sees me? Or what was, what is your thought process when I come attack you early on in the count? Or uh, what are you looking for and all that? Uh, and it's helpful to have his perspective because he's had, he's a great hitter. He's had so much success with the giants and um, to be able to have that sounding board to bounce ideas off of is really helpful. Tell me about Nashville. I, I keep hearing it's one of the great cities in, in, in our nation. I, I've never been, and I wonder what, what you guys all used to do together when you weren't playing baseball. Yeah, it's, uh, it, the city has grown up so fast. It's, uh, it's incredible. So we came in there fall of 2009, um, and we got there right before the boom. So um, it, it, it was getting there. It was, it was kind of moving on. It's funny that – there was a there's an apartment building or condo down in uh, in the Gulch, which is a new shopping area. Um, Magic Johnson built this apartment complex, and they had to foreclose on it because they couldn't fill out the apartment. Uh, they couldn't fill out any of the buildings, and it was just they were just before their time. And now now the apartment is right in the middle of the city, and um, it's just the way that everything has exploded around Nashville, um, and it's become this major city now. And we kind of got right before it got there. And then uh, I've been back and back and forth to see it a couple times and try to go back for weddings and uh, back for a football game or something at least once in off season. But every time you go back there, it's a new restaurant coming in, new bars are taking over downtown. Everything's getting a little bit bigger. It's like the, I remember the second floor bar that uh, we would always go visit down there was the biggest one because you could see all of Broadway downtown. And now you don't even you don't even exist in in downtown Broadway if you don't have a third or fourth story bar that overlooks everything else and so uh, just like everything's just growing up and getting a little bit bigger down there and it's really cool to see because it's I was fortunate enough to have that the wave of uh, years before I got there before uh, Nashville exploded to where you could see the roots of it see uh, old Nashville and then now it's fun to see uh, all the new influx that's come in with restaurants and bars and uh, all the new businesses that have come in to join Nashville. And, and then obviously the home of country music. I, I talked a little music with, with Kasali and Yaz. They, they seem like they, they're skewing a little bit more rock and roll. Are you, are you the country music guy? I, I am from Austin, Texas. Uh, I grew up more and uh, listened to some Texas country and then um, Nashville country. I listen to it all the time. Um, yeah, they, uh, I think they still have a little, they, they, they enjoy country music a lot more now, I think, than when they first showed up. But, uh, no, I still, uh, I still enjoy it down there. It's, it's fun. And that's the, that's the beauty of Nashville is you can go anywhere in the city and, uh, have a great concert every single night. I mean, I remember when I was in college, uh, we, we there was a honky tonk that was close to campus and lo and behold, Tim McGraw walks in on a Wednesday <laughs> and just happens to want to, happens to want to play a couple of songs. I mean, that, that stuff just kind of happens where people just end up going to see other people's shows. And um, you walk in at a moment where Tim McGraw walks in just kind of happens. And so that's what makes it such a cool city is there's so much, uh, so much good live music everywhere that uh, it's so fun to watch and walk into any bar and you can get a great show. Uh, that's fantastic. I, I wonder if there was ever any chance of you not ending up at Vandy. I, I, let's go back to coming out of high school. You're drafted by the Angels in the 14th round. Was was there any thought of, of saying yes? Yeah, you know, there really wasn't. My uh, my dad kind of kind of took the reins on that. I didn't have an agent when I was out of high school. Um, he kind of put the kibosh on that real quick and said there's no chance that uh, I was going to go. And it was the right decision. I was I was probably 160 pounds. I uh, had my high school education. and uh, I was I was good at baseball. I could throw hard, but I really didn't know how to pitch. Um, and so I needed that three years at Vanderbilt to kind of 
uh, hone in my skills and all that. Um, but as far as other schools I was interested in, I came onto the scene late. Um, I kind of hit a huge growth spurt in between junior and senior year, went to a Vanderbilt camp, um, a baseball camp that summer and pitched really well um, and got a, got a scholarship offer to go there. And I was looking at a couple other schools in Texas, um, but I kind of really wanted to get out of the, the state of Texas and um, go to go somewhere else and uh, try something else different for a little while. And uh, when Vanderbilt came calling, I couldn't say no. This podcast is sponsored by T-Mobile, America's largest and fastest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information on deals, plans, and devices. It's not often that you get to talk to people who are truly in their most comfortable of zones. But that's the case here as Mike Yastrzemski and new backup catcher Kirk Casale are the best of friends. So we decided to talk to them together. Would love to just hear uh, the the experience of being Vanderbilt brothers. I mean, what what is the background here, Kurt? I know you were a little a, a little ahead of Yaz, but but when exactly did you two meet, and what were the circumstances? You want to tell that one? Uh, I don't remember the specific moment. Do you? It was on your visit. Oh yeah, I do remember that actually. Good point. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I was on my official visit with another catcher who happened to be rooming with Kurt. Andrew Giobi. And I was, I was going to leave him nameless, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Gio's from Maine, Kurt's from Connecticut, and so being a North New England, Massachusetts guy, they, uh, they lined me up with Gio. And so halfway through Friday night, which was the, I believe it was the first night we were there, um, Gio decides to just kind of leave me and go hang out with his girlfriend. <laughs> and so for the rest of the weekend, I became Kurt's recruit yep. and had to sleep on the floor of their living room. And, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like the ideal experience, but it was good enough to get me there, apparently. We did not roll out the red carpet for him, I can tell you that much. <laughs> You literally just like, rolled no, out like, the carpet for him. It kind of it felt like they didn't want me to go there. They're like, this kid's <laughs> yeah. kid not very good. Let's make sure he doesn't enjoy his time. Sometimes Corbs would be like, if we have like a big time recruit, like like let's just say like a Sunny Gray or something like that coming to town, they're like, hey, for whatever reason, yeah, just we never got that. Far. I wasn't one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> Just like, yeah, dude, sleep sleep over there, and, and we'll see you in the morning. It worked. It, it worked. Yeah. He ended up going there, and, and, and here we are. <laughs> Do you remember sort of a uh, a first impression of each other? Like, Kurt, when this, this, this guy comes in, he wasn't even supposed to be yours for the weekend, and, and now he is. What, what was your impression? That he had a Lloyd Christmas haircut. That's just what it's supposed to be. The first, that was the first impression. Um, your cousin was there, right? Yeah, my cousin was So he brought there. his cousin on his official visit, which is like, who does that? But a guy, a guy who knows how to work the system, he, he does it. Yeah, you work the system, all right. But, um, no, he, he, just, he just struck me as, um, I mean, the first first impression was like, okay, your your last name is awesome. Like, that, yeah. that's really, really cool. Like, like, I know who your grandfather is. And, um yeah, you know, he was he was like a like a tiny dude from you know northeast. So we 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 bonded over the northeast thing, and um, you know we, it it turned into a pretty good friendship because we ended up playing 
in the Cape Cod League a couple a couple years later together in Kituit. And um, I think that's probably when we became yeah. better friends, right? For sure. I, I think it was the Cape League. And, and just we were both in our natural environment and just, you know, love and life. It was, it was a good time. Uh, and then, Yaz, what, what, what about you? Your first impression of Kurt and, and how he put you up? Um, is that bothering you? There's a poor timing in front yeah. of the, uh, the lawnmower. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's all good. We can work through it. All right. Um, you know, basically it was, I was like, how did this guy end up getting screwed into taking me and my cousin around because we were we were there to enjoy ourselves. You know, we were experiencing college for the first time and having a good time and trying to get him to take us to every party he could. And uh, I just felt bad for him that he had to babysit, basically. Um, but but then once once we started to, to get to know each other, um, you know, I, I knew that Kurt was someone that I could always go to with any of you know, any of my issues or problems or ups or downs. And um, that really started my freshman year. I remember the conversation we had. It was uh, in the dugout at Florida. We were playing Florida. I started the first couple games in my freshman year, and we got to SEC play, and I stopped playing. And I, I would never start. I'd always go in for defense. And I was talking to Kurt about it one day, and I was in the lineup on Sunday at Florida. I think I struck out my first at bat. And I was just kind of down, and I was talking to Kurt about it, and he said, well, you need to stop playing like you want to stay in the lineup and start playing to help us win. And that mindset kind of flipped the script for me, and all of a sudden I went three for three for my next three at-bats that day. And uh, from then on out, I don't think I've missed a game for the rest of my career. So that's pretty cool. That was, that was one of my, one of my uh, probably career-changing moments for sure. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's not just that you guys were college teammates um, and now here you are in the big leagues together. I mean, it sounds to me already like there was a profound effect uh, that, uh, that that happened between you you two guys years ago. And then to bring you to this moment, it's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, Yaz, I'll, I'll ask you this. I mean, why did you choose Vanderbilt? And that time – uh, you know, that weekend, that opener with, with Kurt, did, did that play a role at all? Yeah, it definitely did. You know, when you when you get a chance to enjoy your company when you're at a at a school like that, that's kind of one of the biggest decision makers is, like, these are going to be potentially your best friends for the rest of your life, and you kind of choose the people that you want to be around. And that definitely set the stage. But the other thing that, you know, really set the stage is I remember watching a workout and watching all these guys – just absolutely gassed and like they were doing things that I'd never seen people do before and I was intrigued by that and I wanted a challenge because you know for for to a certain extent like things were certain things on the field were expected of me my whole life and those things came easy and I really wanted a big challenge and to kind of throw myself into the fire to see what I was made of so those those two things combining definitely was one of the things that that got me to end up at Vandy. What about you, Kurt? Why'd you choose Vandy? Um, I mean, I also had a really good visit too. Um, you know, I, I, my host was, was Pedro Alvarez and, um, 
and kind of you know, half Pedro, nice, nice name drop. Yeah, half half, um, <laughs> half Pedro and half David Price. So like right. that's an easy that's an easy decision. Like okay, I'm gonna go here. Right. No, it's gonna turn into Kurt telling you all the people that he knows. Right. I know a lot. <laughs> um, uh, the, the thing, the thing that um, was most important to me, and, and honestly, but my parents was okay. I've got this. I've got this gift, and I'm good at baseball. Like I can use it to, to you know, expand on my my career, and, and you know, use it for whatever I need. It's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the place that has the best baseball program and the best education married together like and it just it, it really worked out great that way i mean they're they're still a top you know 15 school yearly like and now they're probably the best baseball program in the entire country and and the thought of making that happen and, and contributing to that was was really really cool and, and um intriguing to me and honestly the thing that probably neither of us has mentioned so far is just the, the main reason is probably Tim Corbin. Um, he's, he's, you know, probably the most, if not the most, he's one of the most important and influential people in my entire life. I mean, he playing for him changed me and, um, for the better, I think. And, and just, he, um, he, he finds a way to get the most out of you and, and, and really teach you how to be a good teammate and, and how to be a better citizen i guess too it's kind of an interesting way of putting it but all those things you know combined and nashville nashville is a great city too which is why wouldn't you want to go there um and kurt you you can go first on this but i'd love to hear you both uh answer you know how how would you just sum up the the time that you had there and how it shaped the, the the baseball future you both had I mean, it's it's directly correlated. Um, you know, I I went into to college being um, let's just call it a a soft silver soft silver spoon <laughs> frat boy. You know, my collared shirt wearing. I still wear the rainbow sandals, so I can't really. You know, I got to stick to my roots at some point. Nothing wrong with those. And, yeah, and and left and and left closer to a. I don't, a machine, like a, kind of like a, a better person, um, a, a better teammate. Um, you know, constantly thinking of others before myself, um, a winner, um, and I mean, and a, and a friend. Like, a, just a friend to a lot of people that I'm still friends with to this day. It's just like I, I don't know anything that Vanderbilt didn't shape me, and it's it. it, it kind of recreated my entire life and definitely you know propelled my baseball career i mean we haven't even really talked about the baseball aspect of it just it just wasn't the first thing that we worked on it just, we within the first week or so like we had to know like every every freshman's you know hometown and their parents and where they went to school and things like that like like why do you want me to do that and then you do it, and you're just like, oh, yeah. like I, you do it before you even ask to do it. You just know, and it, it's just, it's, um, it was a pretty incredible experience to be honest with you. Yaz, how about you? Yeah, for for all those reasons too. But I think the way that it struck me was that I wasn't as grateful for my time at Vanderbilt until I became older and I got into pro ball and 
I started having to meet new people and create relationships and, um, you know, and then get married and be, be a partner to someone in life. Like those things are all lessons that I learned as a 19 to 21 year old kid, but I didn't really know I was learning it. That was kind of the best part of it is, it was being so ingrained into every aspect of your day, whether it was sitting in the front row of class, having to introduce yourself to your teacher and shake their hand after class and going to uh, tutoring, teaching, or wearing your hat. Yeah, like we, we weren't allowed to wear our hat backwards during, huh. you know, ever at Bandy, um, you know, and all these, all these things that seemed regimented and militaristic and strict actually ended up being defining moments that have shaped who I am. And I'm so appreciative of that time because it's, it's a struggle to teach 18 to 21 year old young men, anything, right? Like getting them to listen to something is, is insane, but it's funny because we always give corpse grief about how he always repeats himself and he's a robot. But now that I've left, I kind of understand it where he says, if I say something 10 times, you guys are going to hear it once. If I say it 100 times, you guys are going to hear it 10 times. If I say it 1,000 times, then you're going to hear it 100. So he was ingraining all these life lessons into us daily that we acted like it was – we were joking about it, but it got us to talk about it. Like we would make inside jokes about Corbs repeating certain words and they became like mantras for the team. And then we were bonding over these things and then we were buying into them and then they became part of our life. So the, the way that he got us to do that and to buy into the program and each other is unparalleled. Uh, yes, you, uh, you majored in crime and society. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So good to see that you're, you're using what you learned in, in, in real life now. Yeah, I'm um, I'm really thriving in that area. <laughs> How did you go about choosing crime and society? Um, when I got to college, actually, what I wanted to do was to get into like the FBI or the CIA or something like that, and that's where my interest was. And when I found out that we weren't allowed to miss classes, and we had class checkers, and Forbes was very strict on that. I decided that I needed to enroll in classes that I'll be interested in to make sure that I was going and paying attention. Cause if I had done something in the business realm at that point, I, I wasn't interested and I didn't understand how all that worked. You know, like now that I'm, you know, experiencing more of the world, I see where some of those classes probably would have been <laughs> beneficial, but, um, I just needed to make sure that I was intrigued in my classwork and being able to go, and that's what I was interested in at the time. Kurt, what was your major? Uh, communications. Okay. I mean, that yeah, that I mean, makes sense based on what we were talking about earlier, too. I mean, you, I, I, I think you're pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean, there, there were there were certain parts of it that weren't weren't really applicable. Like, you know, I. Public speaking was really good. Like public speaking was a hard class. Like that that sucked. <laughs> and, um, but like when I'm when I'm breaking down, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln's you know Gettysburg Address, it's like okay, like I 
I don't really know how this is going to work. Like, great, great speech, you know, historical moment in, you know, in the world, but, like, this is I'm not going to use this. And, uh, but, like, the, the small group setting, the one-on-one communication, that was, that's stuff that has at least stayed with me for a little bit right now. But as, as, as Yaz mentioned before, like, I, I wish I paid more attention to accounting. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it might it might have been helpful at some point. Like I wish I took a tax class. Like right, because I still have no idea what I'm doing. Right, uh, right. Uh, I know a lot of people that get through their life without ever knowing uh, exactly what's going on there. Though I, I'm one of those people too. So uh, I, I think I think you're okay. Um, you know, you you made reference to it was in the minors when you guys ended up. Um, maybe, you know, becoming a little bit closer friends. Um, how would you describe what, what your friendship was like in college, uh, compared to what it is now? Um, that's a good question. Well, I guess for me, yeah, but it also like, it be, it becomes more personal because, at college, it's it's a little forced, right? Like where yeah. you're on the same team in the same locker room every day, and you don't necessarily choose to be around that specific group of people every day. You know, you choose your roommates and stuff like that, but you don't choose your teammates. And so there are times where it's forced, but you know it's real when you go to the minor leagues and you're grinding and then, when we're spending off seasons in Nashville, we're living together, hanging out, um, and you you train together, and you start to form, you know, your own smaller group of closer friends from your team, essentially. You know, yes. It's before, like, like, oh, go where ahead. You are in your experience, like where you are in life too. It's like, you know, I, I obviously I'm I'm closer with with Yaz right now because. First of all, we're still playing baseball like together. We're still we're at the same point in our lives. Yep. So that's, a, that's easier to you know relate to. But that doesn't mean that like if I called up any one of my my former teammates in my four years of college, like literally probably every one of them would pick up right away. I mean, and it wouldn't be awkward. There wouldn't be any small. Well, maybe with Corey Williams, it might be some yeah. small talk first. <laughs> but. But the majority of them, just like okay, you can pick up, just pick up right where you left off. But um, me, me, and me and Mike have had the unique situation where we can just keep keep doing what we what we love, and it, it is still crazy that we are teammates right now. Yeah. And it's even crazier that Sam Selman is our team and Tyler Reed is our team. It's like insane how how odd and lucky that is. Let, let, let's talk about that for a second. Being, being in this clubhouse with all of these uh, Vandy guys, what, what is that vibe like, and, and, and how does that affect your, your, your daily experience? I, I'd love to hear both of your perspectives. Mike, Mike what, how do you answer that? Uh, it's awesome. You, there's never a day where you don't have a familiar face in the clubhouse, and that's kind of what – we're trying to do as a program at Vandy is make sure that everybody in the program can have that chance at fulfilling their dreams. And we've been pretty dang good at it recently. Um, and it's, it's fun because 
we absolutely just wear everybody else out on the team. Like, if, if you didn't go to Mandy, like, you can't hang out with us, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you're, you're like, not good. Yeah, it's like, you're not, you're not as cool as we are. That, yep. As you can imagine, that goes over really well. There's, really there's, well. There's, <laughs> just like it, like, to a, to a hatred level. I yeah. mean, like, Longo is one of them. He, you know, every time we stay anchored down, he gives that <laughs> noise. Uh, <laughs> um, our trainers are actually pretty pretty sensitive about it too. Like yeah. they, they they're jealous. Like yeah. they're very very jealous. Like we're in the training room every day, and they're just like, "Oh, I have three bandy guys!" Like, and, like are you jealous, bro? Every once in a while, you get somebody who's like, "Oh, I wish I went to bandy," but it doesn't. That doesn't no, happen, like nobody right? is really willing to admit it. But they're all thinking. It. They're, all, they're all thinking it. Yeah, all. Thinking it. You know, Mike, before you even got there, you drafted by the Red Sox in the 36th round. You opt for Vandy instead. I, I wonder what that decision was like. Uh, 36th round pick, but this is the Red Sox. You know, that's 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 hometown. That's grandpa's team. What, what was that time in your life like? Um, It was crazy, you know, but I also, like, I understood what was going on. Like, I knew that I was not, like, a heavily sought-after person to sign. You know, it felt like it was, you know, potentially was I deserving of it, maybe. Uh, Was it more of, like, a really cool story, really great thing to happen? Yeah, I think that's more or less, you know, where it came from, where they knew there was no chance of me signing. Um you know, it's is really fun time for me and really cool to experience that for the first time, and I was super excited. Um, but I, I knew I was going to Vandy the entire time, and there was never never a doubt in my mind of that. Even, you know, even if I had been a first-rounder, I always promised my dad that I'd go to college and graduate. So that was the one thing that weighed heaviest on me in terms of making my decision. Um, all right, I've got uh, I've got Yaz for Dave Matthews Band and and Kurt. I've got Tom Petty for you. Is that about right? You guys sound musically compatible. Yeah, I mean, we we like we like similar music for sure. I think I think Yaz is, is more adventurous when it comes to music. I'm more stay in my lane kind of kind of thing. But like I mean, spring training, we've been just absolutely bumping to a, a few songs like. Tiesto has just been on repeat on our four minute drive to the to the park every day. Like we're literally pulling into the uh, clubhouse like parking lot with our fist bumping. It's loud. It's loud, and you know we're we're, we're jacked up. I mean, um, I, I'm I say I, I tend to you know be more on the countryside, and Yaz is more you know out there in terms of like EDM and. and like I don't know, cooler music. Like side, like side what, deems it cooler. Music. Yeah. And, and what I, so what I'm Kurt, what Kurt just said is I'm way cooler than he is in yeah. that aspect. Yes. All That's aspects, what I got. I, I said one. I said that one aspect, <laughs> not all aspects. <laughs> Are either of you talking about golf yet? Well, yeah. no, we're we're getting there. I'm actually, boy, Mike, you 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 brought that up at exactly the right time, and it's not going to sound like it, but I promise this is golf related. I, I'm I'm I've actually promised a good friend of mine. I would ask you both: Are either of you or both of you fans of the band The Who? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them live. Okay, this is great because. Um, 
I am golfing buddies with one of the band members. Now, it's not like the lead singer or anything like that, but I, I'm golfing buddies with the, the keyboardist for The Who, and he is a huge, huge Giants fan, and obviously after the last couple of years, a huge, huge Yaz fan. And so I was golfing with him a few weeks ago, and he's like, I need to hear about the golfing interactions with Yaz and Kasali. And then furthermore, furthermore, he was like, after I hear it, like, you got to ask him if we could, if we could all go play golf together sometime. Yeah. First yeah. of all, yes. Okay. Yes to all of it. We'd love okay. That. As long as we can just blast Bob O'Reilly the entire time, like. Okay, that and he knows this. That's my number one Who song. I'm glad you brought that up because, and especially, he's the keyboardist. You know, the open to Barbara O'Reilly. That's him. Yeah, yeah, it's iconic. It's iconic. Totally, totally. So, that's so cool. all right. So, so hit me with it. Who's who's the better player? Who's the trash talker? Let, let's hear about a round of golf with with Yaz and Kasali. Let me let me offer up an olive branch here. Okay. Okay. We offer an olive branch. Yaz's handicap is lower than mine. Okay. Right now. That's the nicest, that's the only nice thing I'll say about them this entire time, right? <laughs> and he'll say that I'm smarter than I was. I have a much better swing. It's smoother. Yeah, he's like, Yaz is playing boring golf now, and that's why he's playing better. <laughs> Let me ask you I like it when he plays stupid golf, tries to hit mammo drives that don't go anywhere near as far as they do now, but then I win. Yeah, he likes he likes to try and get me to hit it 370. Hey, you know, he drops an F bomb because he he because uh, I fell he, for it. Know, no, he fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, but we he Jordan speeds it on every putt. He look at the ball. He looks at the hole like like that's finally working now. It is working, which is just yeah. crazy. To but me. the the crazy thing is we've like flip flopped a couple times yeah. to where. Right when quarantine happened, we were playing just about every day. And for the first two weeks, I was better than Kurt. And for the next, like, five months, I could not beat him. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Like, he, he, was, he was shooting, like, 73 like it was nothing. Yeah. And it was pissing me off. <laughs> That's and a so lot, yeah. I had yeah. to figure out a way to do it. And so you broke my hammock on and then. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. I just, yeah. <laughs> couldn't play golf all night. Yeah, yeah. That's I, right. I chose to break your hand at bone. You, yeah, right. you came in my room in the middle of the night with a hammer. And yeah. Just, but <laughs> I'll beat you. Well, it worked. Yeah, it Pri- did. Priorities. Priorities. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you don't need to tell me, you know, what's on the line, but I want to know the game. Like, are you playing match play? Is it just an overall score? Who's getting strokes? How does that work? We, we've done just about everything. Okay. Typically, typically we go match play because we always have two other people playing with us, and we'll do, we'll do some sort of fun, you know, four-person four game. Um, and a side bet or something. Yeah, like side bets. We've got some fun things. We've got these, uh, like, poker chips that are fun, where it's like if you hit a tree, you get a negative chip. If you hit, you know, if you have a three-putt, it's another negative chip, and they all have, like, monetary value to them. So. And they're extremely, like, insulting. Like, yeah. Right. And you're like, you throw it at them. <laughs> yeah, you're, throwing, you're just throwing poker chips at other people that are not playing well, and you're just adding to their temper. Yeah, so like, like say, say you got like 
you know, you got like a 60-foot putt on the green, right? And you're you're in dangerous three-putt territory, right? You leave the first one short because, of course, you do. Right. The sec- like right, right before you hit that second putt, that, that like, three-putt I'm, I'm tossing, I'm tossing right that chip right next to your ball. <laughs> And just beating you, just being like, there's no way you make this. Yeah. And you know, most of the time, if he did that to me, I just pick it up because I know yeah. it's good. I know it's going to be mine. Although I will, I will give Kurt credit for one golf story. Uh, he invites me to play golf when we were both having spring training in Florida, and he says he's playing with. It was me and him versus these other two kids that were on his team, and he kind of gives me the lowdown. He's like, hey, like, we can take these guys for some money. Like, this is going to be – this is an easy game. I'm like, all right, perfect. So we play we play Vegas, which is the combined score. So if, you know, if one guy – if your teammate has a four and you have a five, your score is 45. And the other team, let's say they have two fives, their score is 55. So they owe you $10 for that hole. Yep. But if you birdie – you flip the other team's score. So let's say they have a five and a seven, and we birdie instead of it being 57, it goes to 75, and they owe you 40 bucks for the hole. Oof, okay. So Kurt says this is going to be super easy. We'll win at least 250 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm in. And keep in mind, Kurt had been called up at the time, so he, he was able to afford this. I had not been. Right. So <laughs> I, like, I was like, I'm paying for a round of golf, and I – you know, like, I hope that I get this round paid for, essentially. <laughs> and Kurt played so bad, we lost, like, $300 each. And I just looked at him. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And it was 100% Kurt's fault. He doubled every hole they bogeyed, they birdied. And he was like, and so he said he would pay for me. So he paid that $300 for me so I didn't have to. Yeah. So I will give him credit first, for that. First and only time. Yeah. That's friendship, oh, though, man. Like, that... Normally we're not great teammates. We're not good teammates. Like, we, no. we enjoy playing against each other more than in, in golf. In baseball, we're great. But golf, we are not good teammates. Like, yeah, I was, just, I, like... I, 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 I was I was waiting for, for uh, Yaz strikes out and gets back to the dugout this year, and, and Kurt, you, you like, throw a Kurt. poker chip at his, fo- at his foot or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> backwards. Hey, yeah. hey, here, good, yeah, good at that. <laughs> Well, amazing, amazing. I mean, this is – I think fans are going to have so much fun listening to this aspect of what's going on inside the Giants clubhouse because, as you said, I mean, it's you guys, but it's also – it's Tyler, it's Sam, um, and, and, you know, fans are really going to respond to that, not only because it's fun to listen to, but I think um, this could obviously have a profound effect on who you guys are as a team this year, how how do you how do you see that affecting the 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 entire team this year? I think it'll be positive. I think um, I think the more the more people that have had similar experiences, the closer you can get as a group, and when you can kind of ha- we can spread our branches per se and have an extended an extended family there where we can. You know, just by being who we are and talking about our experiences. And, you know, there's I, – I think winning is kind of a, a learned skill too, you know. So I think that that was something that we were taught at Dandy is how to win, how to hold each other accountable, how to be confrontational and not get upset about somebody, you know, like confronting you about not doing your job. You know, we need to hold each other 
to the highest standards that we can possibly achieve. And I think that having more of those guys who have been through the ringer on that, it, it's just a, a good thing to have. And it's going to, I hope it plays to our advantage. I think we have a lot of people on our team already like that, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of veterans and a lot of experience in our clubhouse and, um, that can only help. I like it, it, it really only can help. I and mean, we, we can bounce ideas off of each other. I mean, it's just, it's pretty cool. We all have different, different experiences in baseball, but you know, it, it, it still is the same goal. It still is to win games and, and win the World Series. And it's not just about like, it's not just about like competing and playing hard. Like, no, we, we want to win. We want to win every game we play. And we want to be holding the trophy at the end of the year. And, those are things you need to talk about. I think like it gets it gets forgotten. You know, it gets drowned out some sometimes, and you know the the chaos of it all. Because the major leagues is is a great experience, and and we get you know we we make a great living, and it opens up a lot of opportunities off the field. But I think the main thing is like, and when, and most of us we know this, if not all of us, like no, the goal is still and always will be the same: win and 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 what you call the commissioner's trophy, like like pick up that back commissioner's trophy at the end of the year and and uh, get to experience a parade. I want that. We all want that and that that still remains the goal, regardless of, of you know, our backgrounds. Even the Giants coaching staff is represented by Vandy. The elder statesman of the group is first base coach Antoine Richardson, who arrived at Vandy from the Bahamas just as the program was starting to make its mark. Antoine, two years ago you joined this team, and immediately all of these Vanderbilt guys started to show up. So I, I, I need a moment of honesty here. Do you have anything to do with all this? <laughs> no, I think I think I actually kind of followed uh, I followed Yaz over here, so I, I'll uh, I'll defer to him. <laughs> you, you are the elder statesman of the group, though, um, and, and so I wonder where that kind of fits into this story with all of these guys out there playing and, and, and you have that similar background. What have your connections with those players been like because of the background you have? Yeah, I think it's been, it's been pretty, a pretty tight connection. I think just in general, um, our group of guys at Vanderbilt have always been um, really tightly connected, regardless of whether we play together or not. I think the fact that, you know, um, you're part of the Vandy Boy family. Um, we just automatically just show a lot of love to each other, and so it's been um, it's been a really cool experience, man. Um, I think the guys in the clubhouse get tired of us talking about Vanderbilt all the time, but um, it's, it's been really fun to like to have a couple of guys on the team. You call it a family, and, and I have to imagine some of these guys, even though you've got similar backgrounds, you're meeting them for the first time as, as they're they're coming to the Giants. But but is there something unspoken that already exists between you when you guys come together because of of that family background? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's we take care of each other. Um, I think you know um, Tim Corbin did a really good job of instilling that instilling that in us um, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, uh, through the program. And I think um, you know like Philip. Philip Ipe, who we just we just signed. Um, I've never met him before, but uh, just instant connection, you know. Once uh, once he showed up, and so I think um, Tim Corbin just did a really good job of letting us understand like how important it was to take care of each other. Uh, Corbin got there just a few years before you showed up, so I, I think you might have a unique view of of how 
this uh, this program was built through your eyes how did he do it um you know he he's just um he's a special talent um i think you know initially um he he just worked it really really hard and did everything to get every ounce of talent out of us i you know um i got there at tim's second year at vanderbilt and i can honestly say um the teams now are a lot more talented than than uh, when we were there. Um, but what he has done is he's just adapted over time. Um, he's recognized um, how players have changed. He's changed his coaching style, and by doing that, he's had the ability just to to get the most out of his players. Um, he's just really um, he's really good at, at awareness of of what's happening around him and how to challenge guys the right way. Um, you know, he's uh, he's special. That's it's so fascinating to me to listen to everybody kind of talk about what what was built there, and I wonder now that so many of you are are living out big league dreams in different ways. How do you look back on the Vanderbilt experience and sort of feel like it set you up for this? In other words, what what did you learn there that you're now applying here? I think one of the things was just um, how to deal with failure. Uh, you know, I think Tim, 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 and his staff challenged us a lot in practice, um, and it was it wasn't fun. It wasn't always fun to to be a part of those practices uh, because they just asked for so much out of you. Um, and then just kind of tapping into like the reserve tanks um, when you when you didn't want to be there, and and learn how to lean on each other in that locker room. Um, there are days that you know we uh, we would have to bond together because we were so frustrated of like how hard we, we, the practices were. Um, but we we recognize now like how much how much how effective it was and how how much it um it made us um, tap into like who we actually could be and so um, I think it just allowed us to learn how to work through work through some of the failures and and use those as, as learning learning experiences as uh, as opposed to like roadblocks. How does the current Giants staff handle that? How do you coach to your players uh, dealing with failure? Yeah, I think um, it's unique to each 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 individual guy. I think first and foremost, like you know, we do we do our best to, to connect with each player um, and understand their style and how how to most effectively communicate with them. Um, but ultimately, our, our goal is to um, create a space where where they can they can they can have uh, be fearless about about failing and understanding that hey. If it does happen, how do we learn? How do we move forward from it? Um, and the goal is so we don't have to repeat that same that same incident. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of connecting with guys, understanding how to communicate with them, um, and making sure they know that, like, hey, we, we will be better for this in the future. Uh, Tim Corbin, by the way, does pass along a message that, that we wanted to give to you. He <laughs> says you were – the fastest player ever in his program until now. He says he's got somebody now that that <laughs> that can go that can go leg for leg with you. <laughs> well, I'm always up for a challenge, and so um, <laughs> next time I'm in Nashville, I'll, I'll uh, we'll line it up and um, and and see what happened. The last time that um, somebody in the program challenged me in a race, I think Tim Corbin knew what happened, and so. If we need to uh, run it back, I'm, I'm willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're staying in pretty good shape, huh? Uh, I try to, man. It's, I have to keep up with Jazz and Dubon and all those guys in the outfield and Dickerson, so I, I got to do my best. 
what brought you to the school originally? Um, honestly, um, well, first and foremost, it was um, the recruiting coordinator, Eric Bakich, who's now the head guy at Michigan. And he, um, you know, I really, I really connected with him really well on my recruiting trip. And I, I think when I got, once I got to Nashville on a visit, it was just a beautiful place. Um, and ultimately at the time, I, you know, it was an opportunity to get a really, really great education and then um, play the best competition in, in, in college baseball. Um, and I think, it, I think it was really hard to pass up the offer of that educational aspect as well as the, the premier athletic part to it. And so um, it was a simple decision. I, you know, I was scheduled to go to on a different, a couple other visits, but after going to Vanderbilt, that was it. I didn't need to see any more. And then what memories really stand out? Like when you think back right now to, to your time there, what's, what, what are some of the first things that pop into your head? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> the first one is like on my recruiting trip. And I, um, I get there and it was about 60 degrees on, on opening day in, uh, in the SEC play. And I say, I told uh, the recruiting guys like, hey, man, um, if it gets any colder than this, I can't come to Vanderbilt. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is the – He's like, this is the coldest it ever gets. And then the first day of practice, we had like a, a field full of snow. <laughs> so that, was, that was that was pretty funny. Um, and then I think, you know, our first year, we, we got to a Super Regional. And it was the first time in, in program history we got into a Super Regional. Um, and I think just being a part of that movement um, and just working really hard with, with our group of guys initially to like kind of lay the foundation for what, what Vanderbilt is today. Um, I think is really special, and we take a lot of pride in, in being a part, that part of this um, this program. Yeah, I, I, I got to think uh, Nashville and the Bahamas have a few differences. <laughs> they do. I, they do. I remember getting there thinking, like, how how's this island boy uh, going to make it in the country? But, um, you know, I think Nashville has, has something for everybody, and um, it grew on me really, really quick. Um, we were, had a really good appreciation for country music after I left there. Um, really, really, really uh, helped me become a little bit more diverse in in a lot of different ways. So, um, Nashville was a really good time, uh, really beneficial for me. Uh, enjoyed every minute of it. So many of you have talked about, um, and I don't think you have necessarily similar backgrounds, but the similar uh, upbringing through Vanderbilt. You have many of the same things to say about Tim Corbin, about, you know, the, the things that make that place special. So I wonder how that translates to when you all first meet in the Giants clubhouse. You mentioned that Yaz was here just, just before you were, but now as there's been this steady stream of Sam Selman coming up and here's Tyler Beattie and they signed Kurt Casale and you mentioned Pfeiffer recently. Like, what's that first interaction like? when you're encountering uh, someone who you may not know all that well, but they're, they're a Vanderbilt brother. <laughs> um, it's funny you ask. I think it's, just, it's one of, like, a big hug and a hat shake, and it's like, we don't, I've known you my whole life. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny because I think some of the other guys are, are like, are, like, looking at us and just like, you don't even know this guy, you know? Um, and it's funny, yesterday, um, because me, Kasali, and Yaz were joking with Longo. We told him we were going to make him an honorary Commodore. And so we might be getting some more guys on board. <laughs> <laughs> How does does Longo like that idea or no? I think he, he's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. Last but most certainly not least, the coach, Tim Corbin. You notice that each player we talked to immediately brought up Corbs and the impact he had on their lives. 
hear about what each of these players were like in college, and quickly understand why he's so loved. I mean, you've got this this Vanderbilt pod developing with the Giants. At this point in your career, how does it make you feel as you can sort of look around and see situations like this, kind of the branches of, of, of your tree growing around Major League Baseball? Well, I think it's, it's I mean, it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling to see kids go up and do something that they did as children and, and now doing it as adults and actually making money for it. I, I think they understand what a gift that is because they're chasing a passion and there's a lot of people in life that never get to that point where they really love, love, love what they're doing. And these kids are, are able to do that. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, I'm glad they, they have gotten that opportunity. And once they get the opportunity, I, if they can make a career out of it and stick and uh, stay humble and innocent enough to understand that what they're doing is very special, then, I, then I'm particularly happy for them. I'm sure you get asked this a lot, um, but this is your 19th year. How did you do this? How did you build this program? I think it was just more out of not understanding that you'd ever build a program. I, I think it was jumping into something head first and then just throwing yourself into it, knowing that there there was no end to it. It was there was a beginning. It was just centering yourself to understand that I too was chasing a passion. I could have been a high school teacher and would have loved it. I, I could have been a kindergarten teacher and loved it. It just so happens that teaching became part of baseball and baseball beca- became part of working with young adults. And I, I think my focus has always been on that to have a wife that is a teammate and to be involved in it at a level that feels like you're nurturing other people's children, being a step-parent, I understand what that looks like, and I understand what it feels like. And I, I take on that thought process in, in working with these, these boys, and we're thankful to have a lot of people inside of this environment, that staff members, that feel the same way. And uh, I know how lucky I am, and I, I – I treat it with care because I, I know that anything can be taken away at any point in time. So it was really a matter of just centering myself on what we're doing right now. And if the outcomes came a certain way, they did. But I certainly don't get bogged down with the outcomes, whether it's winning or losing. It's it's really more about just trying to move these guys forward in their, in their life. And uh, baseball just happens to be the platform that we're doing it. So, Coach, I got to tell you, the, these guys, Yaz, Kasali, Beatty, Selman, as we put this episode together, every single one of them has just gushed over your leadership, the role you've played in their lives, and it's totally unprompted. It's not like I'm saying, hey, give me some thoughts on Coach. It just comes up in their conversations about who they are as people and who they are as baseball players. How does that make you feel? Um, you know, it's kind, I mean, you know, they, they don't have to say that stuff. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I, I don't want them to, it's, you know, I just, you know, I want to be part of their lives at a level that, you know, they feel like, I think when good things happen to them, it's great. I think when, when in times of need, that's, that's when I want to be around. My wife wants to be around for them. I, I think the, the paychecks that you get, in coaching and teaching are 
or kind words and um, invitations to weddings and things like that. I mean, I think that's when you start to to feel like impact. And I think, you know, not that you can impact everyone and not that you can treat everyone equally. I mean, you can treat them fairly, but you can't treat everyone equally. I, I think the, the, the key is just being able to nurture them in a way where they, they feel like they can take their experience that they had at Vanderbilt and feel so strongly about it and feel so emotional about it that they want to recreate it again in their life, whether it's their own family or whether it's their own team. And, um, you know, if, if they can feel that and when they say those words about me, all I, I think about is it, it's just potentially inspiring them to do similar things in what they're doing right now. And if that's, if that's what they're doing, that, that's great because that's really all I care about is their happiness and their ability to uh, move forward. Let's talk about Mike Yastrzemski for a second. What do you remember about his arrival on campus? Well, he was, you know, in recruiting him, I didn't, I didn't really want to like him as a player because my favorite player of all time was his grandfather, Carl Yastrzemski. So I started to look at him as about, when I was evaluating him as kind of Mike Smith, you know, just another guy. But the thing that led me to him was he was self-made. He wasn't leaning on anyone. He had lost his dad. Uh, he was very close with his uncles, very close with his grandmother. And I just felt like there was a baseball player inside that little body. And I say little body because he wasn't that big at the time. <laughs> he was like a 5'11", six-footer, and he was probably 150 pounds. But yet you could tell he had great impact in the game. And then when he got here, I thought it was going to take him two or three years to to find a position. And he found a position rather quickly inside of our program and then started at the end of the year he, he's he's one of the best leaders and teachers we've ever had in this program uh bar none he, he's he's just got such a great way about him he's he he takes what he's doing very seriously but he doesn't take himself seriously and i think that's the best compliment you could give any male because sometimes males are caught up and lose awareness of, of what they're doing this guy gets it he get he gets everything his, his level of kindness and empathy for people around him is extreme, and his level to compete is extreme. And it's just such a nice blend to see in a young man, and I'm glad he's he's doing well. I, I know they like him. I, I know Well, but better than that, I know they respect him because he only plays the game in one way, but he's such a tremendous individual. I, I, just, I just love him, and I'm glad that we can be part of he and Paige's life, too. Uh, we're, we're very close with them when they come back to Nashville. You know, all, all of us here with the Giants are meeting him at a time where I imagine, and I know he doesn't sit back and relax, but this is kind of the, the, the crowning achievement moment. You know, he's made it. He's got it to the big leagues. He's He's established himself. I wonder how you've seen that evolve over the years because some of the other guys have also even noticed that 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 inner bulldog mentality that that he had in in college, which is probably still there, but maybe we see it a little bit less. What 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 have you noticed? Well, I I think there was I think with a lot of people, there's a breaking point in their career where they can go one or two ways. They can start moving away from the game. Um, because their passion is no longer as extreme as it was when they first started playing it, or they can dig down and, and say, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. There was, a, there was a point in his career 
where he kept getting sent down and and was never getting brought up, particularly with Baltimore, because I just felt like, I mean, what do I know? I'm seeing it from afar, but I was thinking to myself, they're really struggling as an organization. Why wouldn't they give this young man a chance when he, he, he really stands for everything that's good in building teams? But they didn't, and that's fine because that was, as we, we know, was the best thing that could have happened. But he had a hip injury, and I thought, this is going to be interesting because this hip, hip injury is either going to set him back or it's going to spring him forward, and it sprung him forward. And I just felt like he attacked that hip injury, and he said, you know what? I got this chance, and it's my only chance. I'm going to make this happen. And he did. And I just watched that kid out on our field every single morning attack his rehabilitation and attack the game in such a way that I thought, this guy can't be stopped. He just needs a door that's open. And once the Giants opened that door for him, it's like he built his baseball self-esteem once again. He, he, He always had it. But I think there's another level to kids when they get to a certain point where they start feeling that, okay, I can do this. I, I finally am here, and I know I can do this. And I think that's where I started to see another level of Mike Yastrzemski and his competitiveness that, you know, I knew existed here, but you wonder where it's going to go when they leave here once they get into their latter 20s, and he's doing it. I, I tell you what, you're tapping into such a fascinating portion of the story because – it, 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 you know, he couldn't even crack that that roster uh, with Baltimore. The, the second he comes to the Giants, I mean, Coach, he's essentially played like an all-star from, from the moment he arrived. And, and I don't know, obviously, a few people, but I don't know who saw this coming. Um, and, and did you even see this level of play? To what level has this surprised you? If I say no, it's 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 not because I I felt like it, it, it wouldn't happen. I just I, I think the level of play is what you said that it, it it didn't catch me off guard because once you start to see it, I mean I I know what I saw here. Uh, could I see it happening? Yes. Did I know it was going to happen in the last couple of years? I, I just didn't know. I was I was hoping it would, but then once he did it, it, it no longer, it's not a surprise. It's just not a surprise with him because of his, his mindset is different. It's just, it's unique and different. And you see it in, in, in a few kids that you coach along through the years, but it, it, it just changed. And I think a lot of it is, and it could be you both too. And, and, you know, in what you're doing, it, once you get in the right environment, then, then you, then you're, then your total personality starts to come out because there's a comfort that takes place. And I think with him, he just got himself in the right environment around the right people, and he was able to flourish. And then once he flourished, then, you know, it's it's Katie bar the door. You know anything can be attainable after that. And, you know, the year he had last year, and those, those numbers are not shocking to me. Uh, I was just hoping he could cross that barrier. And once he crossed the barrier, I felt like, okay, this this guy can stick it's you know it's a lot like his granddad you know i don't want to compare them both but you know his granddad was self-made too and if you took carl and you took his tools and you compared them to anyone during that era in the 70s they were good tools but they weren't tools that were over and above a banks or a willie mays or an aaron or anyone like that but then you you look at the end picture of it and the numbers and you go my gosh this guy's a hall of famer and I'm not saying Mike will be a Hall of Famer, but it's just like you see when certain guys get certain opportunities, they can flourish in a way that people say, 
that's right. I knew that could happen. I know it's been a weird year, uh, but but he played so well his his first full year with the Giants as well. Did did you ever have a chance to come see him play in person? No, we didn't get to see him play in person. But I've got um, the MLB package in my office and yeah. at the house, and so Maggie and I watch all the kids. I mean, it's it's fun to watch them, and if they're pitching or playing, we watch. And um, so I I know exactly what they're doing. And that that part makes me good. I, I hesitate ever coming to see him because I don't want to I don't want to put him out. I don't want to ask them for anything. Um, parents don't ask your children for things. And I, I just would never do that. Now, if it was a grand moment, um, I would do it. But I, I probably would be more about celebrating their kids than celebrating them and watching. But I watch them on TV and I really enjoy it. Uh, I love it. Let's uh, let's get to one of the other guys. the uh, The big smile of of Tyler Beatty. Tell tell me about uh, encountering Tyler for the first time. No, uh, Tyler is a wonderful story because he was one of those kids that was never supposed to come to school. Uh, I knew his dad, Walter, from way back. We we had uh, we had common relationships and friendships with one another, and. Um, he, like Mike, when we started recruiting him, it was a part of me that said, you know, I know his dad, so it's, you know, i got to be careful here because I don't want to go into this emotional. But we recruited him, signed him, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget when Maggie and I were, we were sitting at a bar eating food during the draft, and Tyler, it was, no, it was after the draft. Tyler was in the first round, and it was the last day that you could sign. It was the deadline. And Maggie and I just were eating it was about 11.30 at night, and I get a call from Tyler, and he goes, Corbs, I got something to tell you. And his voice was very monotone at the time. He goes, I'm coming to Vanderbilt. I'm not signing. And I'll never forget that moment because when he told us that, I was you know, I was so excited to, to have this kid at, at the university, but he was such a good pitcher. Led us to uh, the College World Series, and you know he had such a nice career. And then what made it just as fulfilling is, he went out as a college junior higher than he did coming in. And I, I think you always cross your finger as a, as a coach, just hoping it'll work out for this young man and he'll have the opportunity again to play at the same level that he did as a high school kid. I mean, it's kind of what we, we speak to, but you never know what's going to happen, but he did. And I'm glad he's finding his way with San Francisco too. And I'm hoping some great things will happen, particularly coming after the arm injury. I think he's probably learned a lot about himself. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the forgotten guy, except for that when we do remember what's still out there for him this year, I think uh, it's it's exciting and provides some depth for the uh, for the Giants' rotation. Fingers crossed on that. What what do you think is still out there for him that he hasn't been able to show yet? I just think that injuries have a way of putting things back in line for us as humans. I, I just think that that injury is going to be positive for him because I think it. It's sometimes it's almost like that second chance that you mentally get when you say, okay, that could have been it. Now I got a second chance. Now I'm going to be better. I, I just think the fibers of the kid will, will, will grow even more after this, uh, this last situation. And, uh, you know, I'm always cross my fingers with the kids because I want things to turn out well, but I just have a strong confidence that Tyler is really going to find his way and find a role that suits him and what he can do from a skill standpoint. Um, you know, Coach, uh, uh, Kirk Casale has only been with the Giants for a few months now. 
but he already feels like everybody's big brother. Uh, I, I can tell just from hearing him talk, talking to some of the other guys as well. Was it a similar kind of role for, for him when, when he was with you? Yes. Uh, he and Mike were very close when they were here. I mean, they were the Dunkin' Donuts boys. You get two New England guys, and <laughs> I remember them coming into the facility always holding a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So that was unique to them. But, yeah, I, I, I love the Casali family. I mean, I got Kurt's younger brother here as a student assistant, so we're very close with them too. And I remember watching Kurt play high school football as a quarterback and spending time with them and their family. But, uh, yeah, Kurt, Kurt's. Kurt's a heck of a lead. I thought, too, and I'm, I, I don't want to be repetitive because each kid is different. Kurt's path was different than Mike's, but Kurt became such a wonderful leader inside this program and one of the best we've ever had. He was a, a senior on that World Series team in 2011. He really was the, the, the big difference on why our pitching staff was so good because he handled them so well it was like a a big brother as you mentioned on our team and he was such a good offensive player too but it's it's presence it's presence about him there's a calmness about him he's like a guy and it makes everyone feel good about who they are and when they come in it's it, it is it's like having uh i know there's been a lot of glue guys that are catchers in the big leagues for a long period of time he's one of them he's a one of them that you know, makes a staff a whole lot better. And if it's average, he'll take them to good. If it's good, he'll take them to great. He's just that guy. He's he, he's a he's a great associate to Buster. And those two guys on the same team, those are two good older guys in the perfect position right there to give your team and your staff leadership. We're starting to get a sense of that relationship with Yaz and Kasali for sure. Uh, how did you see that relationship come together? I just think that the New England piece was so pivotal for them. I mean, Kurt knew Mike a little bit prior to coming. Um, they both shared a lot of the same experiences in the area code games and the amateur level and, 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 and playing, I, I think, together at certain points in time. And their relationship really, really binded um, one summer when they both went to Katuit to play in the Cape Cod League. And when they did that, it was I, – I felt like that's when they even became closer because they lived together, they hung out together, they did everything together. And I just felt like it went, when they came back, that was going to be such a positive because they were both two very good leaders that, that shared a, a, a very strong relationship with one another – that actually helped propel our team even more so. So, um, yeah, and, and when they get back, they're always together too. I mean, they're, they're wives and them, and I'm just glad they have one another. I'm just glad they have such a strong relationship. You know, it, it's interesting in, in in talking about this subject because all of the guys, and, and I'm sure you can imagine with this big group in the San Francisco clubhouse, uh, they, they've got almost this little fraternity in one another. They are very close. And I wonder if that's something that, that, that you feel is fostered inside the program. Do, do you feel like the program led to these relationships on some level? Well, I hoped it helped. You know, I think when, when you think about relationships and you think about kids going off and, and doing their thing, um, you know, their Vanderbilt experience in, in some shape or form 
I think at certain times they felt it was it, it became emotional for them. And trying to create that same emotion, as I mentioned before, inside the pro environment, I, I think it can be done. I, I, I truly think it can be done. I think, you know, there is a lot of movement at the major league level with players. But at the same time, to create harmony, it's, it's more about creating stability inside of a locker room area and outside the locker room area and, and not between the white lines. The white lines are almost the gift that you get for developing your skills and developing teams. And I think what they're very aware of is that developing team is creating and fostering relationships within an environment. And if you don't know someone or someone's different, learn, learn to get to know them. Because in our situation here, we have a lot of different ethnic backgrounds, and that's purposeful. And we have a lot of males and females inside of our organization. That's purposeful. But it's put in place so they can recognize that people are very, very different at so many levels. And because they're so very, very different, it makes it, it, makes it easy to move away from someone when they're not like you. And really, the reality of life is move closer to them when they're not like you so you can start to understand them and what makes them tick. And I think they're very aware of those concepts and, and what makes them special. What they're more aware of, I would say, and I know that they joke about Vanderbilt probably, but they're very aware that even though they're close, they don't want to create a, a, a click. They do not want to do that. They don't want to create divisions. What they want to do is integrate other people so that they can so they can create an experience that's emotional for all of them. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing that they learned at Vanderbilt, and I think they're very aware of those things as they move forward. I think that's incredibly well said. I think you've got a beat on on exactly what's going on here, and it's almost like you set them all up perfectly to come to the city of San Francisco. It fits in well with that, too. Well, I'm just glad they did because, you know, we haven't talked about Sam yet, and maybe you're going to ask me, but he's such a – yeah, he's such a a great personality and blends so well – into that group of people that we we're talking about and into San Francisco. And I think they're all different. They're all unique. They're all, they all have their own personalities, but in, in so many different ways, they're so much alike because they're so giving. They, they, they honor other people. They serve other people. They understand that they're a piece of a puzzle. They're not the puzzle. They have very good awareness they're very skilled as to what makes that organization tick and understand that even the people that have ancillary positions are very fundamental and and, and very important to how that organization moves. So I I think for that, I'm just, for me as a, as a, you know, as a dad and as as a teacher, I, I just am glad that they have one another and I'm glad that they're able to share their their personal wealth with other people inside that organization to make it move forward. Uh, you mentioned Sam, and I definitely want to want to talk about him. Some expanding even a little bit on 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 what you just said. Like the first time I spoke to Sam, I, it just hits you in the face. I was like, "Wow, where did this personality come from? What What was your first experience with him?" Oh, I loved him. He came in at 139 pounds into our summer camp, and he was left-handed, and he threw the ball well. I knew he was from, well, he was from Texas, um, Austin area, 
and um, I didn't think the kid would come to Vanderbilt, but he decided to come, and he grew into uh, a tremendous starting pitcher during the course of his junior year. But it wasn't an easy road for him because he needed to get stronger. And even during his sophomore year, he started to travel with us when we went on the road, uh, which he had never done before. And what he would do is on our Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night game or Saturday or weekend games against SEC competition, he wouldn't pitch. But what he would do is on Thursday night when we would practice, he he would pitch against our team to get them ready for the weekend because he didn't really have a, a role. So he would always say, Corbs, he goes, whatever happens, he goes, I always want to be the Thursday night t- pitcher at, at Vanderbilt. And it was just such a, a funny joke because he never pitched for us until his junior year. And then once he pitched his junior year, he just took off. And I think his ability to not take himself seriously, his ability to have great humor, and his ability to really have great stick inside the game because he too, like Yaz, was a kid that probably could have walked away from the game. There's been a lot of kids inside this program that did not do what Sam Selman did, and that was, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. He had an opportunity with the Kansas City Royals. You kept seeing him move, but then it was always a speed bump that got in the way of him. And I just admire, and that comes from his parents, how he was raised, his stick to for saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going. Someone just needs to open a door. And thankfully, San Francisco opened a door for him, and he, like Mike and and Kurt and Tyler, got the opportunity to to move in a a direction that you felt like he could. Coach, we don't want to forget Antoine Richardson either. You've even got the first base coach here. I love it. Twani, yeah, he's he's great. You know, he's the first Bahamian we've ever had inside the program. He came from the Bahamas, and – we we finally have someone that's faster than Antoine, and you can tell him that. We, we, we've got a young man this, this year that plays center field. Antoine was the fastest player we've ever had in this program until this year, and I would say this player is just like him, actually. They're about the same speed. But Antoine, you talk about self-made. Boy, a junior college kid, came in here, studied engineering, smart, uh, happy, always got a smile on his face. Uh, I'm just glad that they they have him too. He's he's a tremendous tremendous story because he he did not have a male in his life that uh, was helping him move forward. And everything that he's gotten in life is because of himself. He is a tremendous kid. Well, coach, I can tell you in uh, in spending this time with you, I, I, I sort of understand a little bit better why all of these players who are now with the Giants uh, talk about you so much and and talk about what you've done for them, not just as ball players but as people as well. It's very evident in talking to you. So appreciative of your time and appreciative of, uh, of what you've done for these guys who are now sharing what they can do, their abilities and their gifts with all the baseball fans in San Francisco. So thank you so much on many levels. Well, I, I appreciate it, too, and I appreciate you allowing me to share with you. I, I love those boys, so please tell them all I said hello. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review, and share this episode with your friends and family. To make sure you never miss these exclusive conversations each week, subscribe and follow the Inside Giant Moments podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.